0: Welcome to the Proper Lookout podcast, published by the Statutory Insurance Group of mccabe Kerwood. In this series, our CTP experts will discuss a range of topics, sharing their thoughts on an industry trend or an intriguing legal issue, explaining the intricacies of an important case, and hopefully imparting some of the knowledge that they have gained. Hello there, this is Peter Hunt. In episode 39, my colleague Mandy Jaswell Talked about section 3.39 of the Motor Accident Injuries Act, or MIA. That is the section which deals with how part three of the Civil Liability Act, which deals with claims for mental harm, is applied to claims for statutory benefits under MIA. Now, that was one of the most popular episodes, and we've received a lot of positive feedback. Given that section 3.39 is so fraught with uncertainty, we thought it deserved some further discussion. So here we go. Now, specifically, section 3.39 states Part 3, bracket, mental harm, close bracket, of the Civil Liability Act 2002 applies to the payment of stat benefits under this part in connection with an injury in the same way as it applies to the award of damages in connection with an injury subject to any necessary modifications and to any modifications prescribed by the regulations. The key words are subject to any necessary modifications. So in general terms, the restrictions which can be found in Part 3 of the Civil Liability Act apply, as much as they can, to the step benefits arena in the same way they apply in a claim for damages. The vague reference to subject to any necessary modifications, however, is open to all kinds of interpretations. We may ultimately, I think, have to await judicial determination of what that actually means and how it applies to Part 3 of the Civil Liability Act. So let's start with Section 29, shall we? Section 29 states, in any action for personal injury, the plaintiff is not prevented from recovering damages merely because the personal injury arose wholly or in part from mental or nervous shock. Whilst I stand to be corrected, I suggest that the necessary modifications called for by section 3.39 would make section 29 read something like this. In any claim for stat benefits, the injured person is not prevented from recovering stat benefits merely because the personal injury arose wholly or in part from mental or nervous shock. So far, so good, I think. I think we can all accept that proposition. Moving to section 30, this is how I would rewrite subclause 2 with necessary modifications. The injured person is not entitled to recover stat benefits for pure mental harm unless a the injured person witnessed at the scene the victim being killed, injured or put in peril or b the injured person is a close member of the family of the victim. Now what constitutes a close family member is defined in section 30 bracket 5 close bracket of the Civil Liability Act. No modifications are warranted there. Listeners may recall that Mandy discussed how Section 3.39 of Maya and Clause 8, bracket 2, close bracket, of the regulations modifies Section 30, bracket 3, close bracket, of the CLA. I won't go into detail, but will instead go straight to the bottom line. If the primary victim was not at fault, then the injured person is entitled to stat benefits beyond 26 weeks, subject to appropriate verification. If the primary victim was mostly at fault for their injury, then the injured person's stat benefits will be terminated after 26 weeks. And if the primary victim was partially at fault, but not mostly at fault, then the injured person's stat benefits will be reduced by the extent of the primary victim's contribnege beyond 26 weeks. In other words, the want of care exercised by the primary victim impacts the stat benefits which the witness or close family member can recover for their mental harm. If you want to hear more About the reasoning, please listen to Mandy's episode of this podcast series. It's episode number 39. Section 30, bracket 4, could end up being a thorny little provision when applied to claims for stat benefits. The section reads No damages are to be awarded to the plaintiff for pure mental harm if the recovery of damages from the defendant by or through the victim in respect of the act or omission would be prevented by any provision of this Act or any other written or unwritten law. Now what necessary modifications are required to render that provision compatible to a no-fault stat benefits scheme? Concepts of damages, the defendant, and act or omission all fly in the face of a system of stat benefits where fault is irrelevant in the first 26 weeks and injured people remain entitled to stat benefits beyond 26 weeks provided they are not mostly at fault. Perhaps the following necessarily modified section avoids any issues. No stat benefits are to be paid to the injured person for pure mental harm if the payment of stat benefits by the relevant insurer, by or through the victim, in respect of the accident, would be prevented by any provision of this Act or any other written or unwritten law. Whether there are any provisions in the CLA or any unwritten law, read case law, is yet to be fully explored. That said, and as already canvassed, the requirement that the injured person either witness the accident or be a close family member of the primary victim is a provision of the CLA which prevents the injured person from recovering stat benefits. Another section of the CLA which prevents the recovery of stat benefits is Section 31. With the necessary modifications mandated by Section 3.39 of Maya, Section 31 of the CLA would read, There is no liability to pay stat benefits for pure mental harm resulting from an accident unless the harm consists of a recognised psychiatric illness. All I have done there is change pay damages to pay stat benefits and substitute resulting from an accident for resulting from negligence. It's also worth highlighting that this prohibition is mirrored by the definition of minor injury in section 1.6 of Maya. Subsection 3 provides that an injured person suffers a minor psychiatric or psychological injury if their injury does not amount to a recognised psychological or psychiatric injury. Importantly, however, section 31, with necessary modifications, potentially prohibits an injured person from recovering any STAT benefits at all, even in the first 26 weeks, if their injury does not amount to a recognised psychiatric illness. By contrast, of course, the minor injury test only prevents recovery of stat benefits beyond 26 weeks. The next provision is Section 32, which deals with the duty of care in claims for mental harm. Right off the bat, there is a problem which requires modification if it is going to be applied to a claim for stat benefits. In a no-fault scheme, what is the relevance of a duty of care? So section 32, bracket 1 reads, A person, bracket the defendant, close bracket, does not owe a duty of care to another person, bracket the plaintiff, close bracket, to take care not to cause the plaintiff mental harm unless the defendant ought to have foreseen that a person of normal fortitude might, in the circumstances of the case, suffer a recognised psychiatric illness if reasonable care were not taken. Wow. How is that going to fit into a no fault stat benefits environment? In my view, modifications necessary to section 32 bracket 1 will result in the following rewrite. The relevant insurer is not liable to pay stat benefits to an injured person unless a person of normal fortitude might, in the circumstances of the accident, have suffered a recognised psychiatric illness. I recognise that this may be controversial. The purpose of Section 32 of the CLA, however, is to preclude damages being paid to a plaintiff who suffers a psychiatric illness if a person of normal fortitude would not have suffered a psychiatric illness in the same circumstances. I think the modifications I have made result in the same outcome. It precludes stab benefits being paid to an injured person if a person of normal fortitude would not have suffered a psychiatric illness in the same circumstances. Well, folks, that concludes my discussion. I have created a document entitled Section 3.39 Necessary Modification Guidelines and included a link on our website. You should also find a link on the email notification you received alerting you to this podcast. Sorry that this episode has been a bit longer than usual, but I hope you enjoyed the discussion. If you have any feedback, I would, as always, be delighted to hear it. I should mention that as I was recording this podcast, a peregrine falcon landed on the windowsill outside my office and distracted me slightly. Anyone who follows me on LinkedIn will know that this falcon is a good friend of myself and the firm. In any event, please tune in next week as we celebrate the 50th episode of the Proper Lookout podcast. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Proper Lookout podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. For more information on anything discussed, please contact Peter Hunt at peter.hunt at mccabecurwood.com.au or visit our website to see McCabe Curwood's full team of specialists.